you hope if you have a good advisor that's doing comprehensive planning that they are also going to pay attention if, if you're not doing what you need to do to achieve your financial peace. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Financial wellness is a topic that's really important to me. It is basically the state of being able to meet your current and future financial obligations, feeling secure in your future and confident in making choices that allow you to enjoy life. And as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I believe that a relationship with money is about much more. It's about feeling comfortable and at peace with your financial decision-making. And sometimes it involves working not only with a financial planner, but also with someone like me, a wealth psychology coach. So today on the podcast, I thought I would talk about how taking a team approach to your financial health and wealth really makes sense for you and can increase your financial well-being. And so to help me in this conversation, I've asked Carolyn McClanahan, who works for or owns Life Planning Partners. She is not only a physician, she's a certified financial planner, educator, storyteller. She's a really fun person to get to know, and she's on a mission. And I love her mission. It's to bring simplicity to the two topics she knows best, financial planning and medicine. So welcome, Carolyn, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I just love the backstory you have as to how you got involved in financial planning. And I think if you were to share that with our listeners, that might give them some context as to why I thought you were the perfect guest to talk about this topic with me. Yeah, sure. So it, it all started with, I, I actually was into learning about personal finance when I was a medical resident and had my own IRA. And I, in college, I was actually going to become an actuary, but I realized how much I liked people. So I became a doctor. And um, <laughs> then I, um, I, my husband inherited a little bit of money and we did well investing it, but that was in the mid nineties. So that's when everybody did well. So we thought we were brilliant and we didn't realize just that we were lucky. And he was an aerospace engineer and he hated it. And we had this nice pot of money and he wanted to change to be a track coach and a photographer. And I said, well, I'm not going to support you. So we need to figure out whether the money that we've grown is enough to take care of you for you to do that. And so we tried to find a financial planner. And back then, this was like in 2000, they were all salespeople or they just did investing. They didn't do real financial planning and we weren't comfortable with that. So I went back to school to learn about financial planning for us. And I just fell in love with it and saw this huge need for people getting advice. And that's when I decided to make a career switch. And so that's awesome. So it, it is interesting to me, though, that first of all, both your husband and yourself seem like you're very smart and you 
are big into education, but that also you fell in love with financial planning. Can you say a little bit more about why that is and maybe if there are similarities to the field of medicine, what they might be? Oh, goodness. That's a, it's an understatement, the similarities. You know, so with financial planning, a lot of people think of financial planning as just investments, but it's really so much more. It's figuring out, am I doing the right things with my money now? And am, am, am I being financially sound now? And am I becoming resilient for the future, for the day I can no longer work? And, you know, so for me, being a financial planner is the exact same as being a doctor. When somebody comes in, you get their history. So in medicine, we get their medical history. And then you do an exam. And for a financial planner, the exam is looking at all their financial things they've already done and all their statements and their tax returns so that you have data to kind of collaborate whether everything they say they want to do in uh, in their history is what they're really doing with their exam. And then you make an assessment. So you say, here's what I see. And then you create a plan. You know, So that's you're basically prescribing a diagnosis. And so it's exact same thing, just helping people taking care of their money instead of their health. Well, and one of the things that I've noticed about your approach is that you are very open to a team approach. And my background, which is in both banking and finance as well as healthcare, uh, it really includes working in mental health and working as a member of a team. And what that means to people listening is basically I might see the individual and then someone else might see the family or I'd refer to a specialist, similar to like how a primary care physician might do the general medicine, but refer to a specialist if somebody, you know, has trouble with their hip. And so when we first met and when we started talking, one of the things I noticed was your openness to the team approach in finance, which by the way, isn't something that's practiced throughout the field. So how much do you think that comes from your training in medicine versus maybe it being uh, influenced uh, from other factors? Well, it's totally from medicine. I feel that a financial planner is really more like a family doctor. And in family medicine, you know, family medicine is a board certified specialty. You have to train to know the basics of everything. And so you're trained to, uh, to recognize the common and be able to take care of it, the normal and be able to explain it, and the critical so you can get help early. And then if something doesn't fit in that common or critical or normal, then that means you usually need a specialist. In, in medicine, it's expected that primary care physicians need to refer to a specialist for about 5 to 10% of the patients that they have. And in, so to me, in finance, it's the same way. I know, you know we do insurance reviews and we, we tell people whether they're underinsured and overinsured or whether there's something you know funny about their insurance. And But then we get an insurance agent to help us with the things that we can't do. And so same with estate planning, you get the estate planning attorneys for tax. You know, we do great tax planning, but when we get a, a, a weird tax situation, we easily reach out to the accountants. And so it's the same thing with financial therapy. I think every financial advisor needs to know the basics of financial psychology and be able to deal with the basics. But sometimes the situations just get a little too deep or a little too sticky that for you to deal with. And so, and plus sometimes it's just nice to have an outside person to validate everything you've been telling your client. And, and that sometimes can be what it takes for them to move forward to do the right things for themselves. 
it is interesting to have somebody in it with you. I do think that there's the value of a different perspective, the value of the uh, specialty. And there's something really nice, in my opinion, of working as a member of a team. But I can remember when I first entered the financial services industry as a consultant and a coach and a trainer, my initial idea was to do what's called financial therapy. I tend to call it, you know, wealth coaching. But that was my idea that I was going to provide that for financial planners. And I thought there would be a big, oh, this is great. I so, you know, this is so helpful. And what what I felt was that people felt like I was taking their clients or they felt threatened by the fact that we were going to talk about their clients' emotions. So how did you come up with having a different philosophy? Or maybe it's just a different time, Carolyn. What do you think? Well, I think that the majority of financial people who call themselves financial planners or financial advisors aren't doing real financial planning. I think that's one of the issues that you're running into. They're really more focused on investments. They're not really helping clients go through what their spending is and what they value about what they're spending and making sure that they're doing all the right things to enjoy life now and plan for the future. For a lot of advisors, it's all about accumulating AUM. Now, the good news is, you know, I've, I've been in this field over 20 years now. It's just amazing to me how it's flown. And the number of people doing real financial planning is growing exponentially because I think clients are seeing the value of real financial planning. So I think your business is going to pick up because as more financial planners get into real financial planning and then they have clients with um, sticky psychological issues that may be impeding their ability to um, bring themselves financial peace, they're going to be calling you. Yeah, it is really interesting to see the ch the change and and the trends changing. And I think the pandemic has had a big impact on uh, the field being more open to talking about the human side of finance. And so it's exciting and it, it's really fun to be able to work with you and some of your clients. And so just in general, so people understand whether they're financial planners or whether they're um, you know, people who might be clients of financial planners, what are some of the signs or symptoms or what do you look for that says to you, hmm, this is something that I might refer to somebody like Kathleen? Well, you know, the first thing that we do with clients is, you know, is a comprehensive financial plan. And then we have a task list of here's the things that we got to get done so that what what they're doing is congruent with their goals. And it usually sometimes it takes me working with a client a couple of years. Sometimes it may be even longer than that, where you find some things you have to drag clients through. And so you're trying to get to the, the meat of what's what's the issue here. And and when you've tried a lot of different tactics, you know, that you learn from you know basic financial psychology and they're not working, that's when I'm like, you know, I think it might be better if we get somebody from the outside to help us pick this apart because for clients, I want them to be successful. And uh, oftentimes things they're doing are getting in their own way of being successful. And that's when bringing somebody from the outside in is a great thing to do. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really nice to be able to work in that way. And so if somebody is feeling stuck or a financial planner is feeling like, wow, I keep saying the same things over and over again, or this isn't working, that may be a time for a consultation. And I think, you know, in the context of thinking about financial literacy and financial health and financial well-being, ultimately, that's not only going to serve uh, the financial planner, it's also going to serve their clients. So I want to talk a little bit 
about how working as a member of a team can not only be helpful to the clients, but also helpful to the professionals. But before we get into that, I want to take a quick break. So we are here with Carolyn McClanahan. She is a, the owner of Life Planning Partners and so much more, and we will be back in a minute. Hey, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I wanted to just tell you about a service that I provide that may be of interest to you or your family or one of your clients. It's individual money mindset coaching. What does that mean? That means I work with individuals to help them identify their automatic thoughts and beliefs about money and help them feel more comfortable and confident when it comes to finances. It is a short-term program that can really take you from being uncomfortable or a little fearful around money to being really confident. So if you're interested in finding out more, feel free to email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com. And let's set up a quick phone call and see if money mindset coaching is for you. I am here with Caroline McClanahan. She is the founder of Life Planning Partners, and we are having a great conversation about the team approach to financial wellness and financial well-being. And we were just talking about when it makes sense to make a referral, when it's time for a financial planner to say, hey, I really need to maybe have a specialist come look at somebody's money mindset or look at their financial behaviors. And I've had the fortune of being able to work with her and her team. Uh, same thing goes, by the way, Carolyn, there are times when I'm working with someone and coaching them and I say, ooh, this is really a time where I need a certified financial planner um, because it's outside the scope of my specialty. And so the referrals can certainly go both ways. But Working as a member of a team, whether it was way back when I was in healthcare or now when I'm in financial therapy and, and well psychology, I've found it's such a great opportunity to learn about ourselves and to be more helpful to our clients. So I'm really curious, what have you learned about yourself or your clients in, in your advising style by allowing yourself to be open to referrals to people in the world of financial psychology? Gosh, I, I mean, for me, I've, I've always been the queen of believing in therapy from all standpoints. So not only do we refer clients to financial therapists, we refer to a regular therapist. So because sometimes it's other things getting in the way that aren't necessarily financial. And and having been you know attuned to therapy in the therapy world for when I was in medicine and going forward, it just, the more I learned about financial psychology, it just made common sense to me if I couldn't do the basics of getting clients through stuff. It meant that I needed help. And the, the nice thing about working with uh, uh, referrals to in referring people to other, and not just financial therapy, but all, all realms from the insurance agents to the, you know, accountants, I learned so much from them that makes me even better and ideally, you know, it makes me do a job, a better job with other clients where maybe I won't need to make a referral. But usually, though, it, it's you never get good enough that you can you can't learn and, and be helped by a therapist from the outside in with helping clients through hard things. Well, I think the other thing that comes to mind for me in working for a team is one of the things I've always said, whether I'm training advisors, training therapists, um, just you know, talking to my girlfriends about the work that I do, is the idea that we can't be all things to all people. 
So it's really great to work in a team to learn more information because I love education like you do, but to also take that pressure off. And I think it role models to our clients that it's okay to have a team approach to your finances or to your overall well-being, to your health and your wealth. And I think that's a really positive message. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in my own firm, I, I'm not a sole practitioner. Um, our, we have, it's basically four advisors working with all the clients. So all four of us work with all the clients and we do different parts of their planning. And the clients like that. They love to see that deep bench of knowledge um, because we all bring a different area to the table, but plus as far as succession planning for the clients, they worry about, you know, the, if the older advisor decides to, to quit or, or dies, then, you know, the whole team understands everything going on with the client. Yeah, I think it would be really nice to know also, um, just to know and have those different um, thoughts. Because I imagine, like I work with a team approach with my financial planners, there's always two people on the call and I know that there's a deep bench and that just makes me feel taken care of in case there's a problem that maybe isn't in their realm. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit because this is part of a series on financial literacy. And we are talking about financial psychology, we're talking working as a team, and that really brings up kind of the, the thoughts around behavioral finance as well. So in one of the podcast episodes in this series, I interviewed uh, an advisor who worked in New Jersey and was able to get the financial literacy standards changed from just requiring the basics around personal finance for high school students to making sure that every high school student had to learn about behavioral finance and understand their relationship to money. How do you think you know, including behavioral finance, including the psychology of money, uh, when students are young, can help them be more financially literate? Oh, I think it's an understatement that it's needed. I wish we could do basic um, behavioral psychology, not just around finance when people are young, to teach them how to have better conversations around hard subjects. So, And money is a very hard subject, but so relationships and you know, because they all go together. And and so I would love to see behavioral psychology and, and financial psychology taught at a young age. Oh, I always thought it would be great to teach emotional intelligence to kindergartners. Oh, right. And, you know, know start them right off. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, you know, there's a great book that I refer, I give a lot of, um, to a lot of people. It's Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott on just how to have hard conversations and leaving everybody feeling good about the conversation. That alone is so invaluable to, to having a better life and more peaceful life. I love that. I will put, I haven't read that book yet. So that's going to be on my uh, list of things to read. It's also going to be a link in the show notes. So you've mentioned a few things. One was the difference between a financial planner and somebody who just wants to sell you investments. So if somebody's listening in and says, well, you know what, I'm either working with someone that I don't feel comfortable with, or maybe they don't do that holistic planning, or I'm looking for a new advisor, what's your advice on being able to find somebody that provides services similar to yours? Well, first off, you want to make sure they're a fiduciary, and that's a legal term for making certain that they're always looking out for your best interests. Two is you want to make sure they're doing real financial planning. So that means diving into how you spend money and helping you figure out 
you know, how much you need to, to reach financial independence and making sure that you're, they're looking at your tax planning, your state, your insurance, so that they're not doing more than just managing investments. Now, a way that they charge can be a big tell to that. So a lot of firms, in fact, uh, most, uh, most financial planners charge based on how much money they're managing. And thankfully, more people are getting away from that model. I left that model like, you know, uh, right after I started my practice, I started charging a flat fee based on how complex a person was. So it's helpful if a person, if an advisor charges separately or just for the planning and that, and some of them manage the assets under that flat fee, which is what we do, or, or to find an hourly advisor. And that's how you know that they're not going to focus just on the investments that they're going to make it about the holistic approach. Now, a lot of advisors who are good advisors do charge based on assets under management. And I do wish they'd move away from that model because I feel like it denigrates financial, the rest of financial planning. But it just, it's the way a lot of people did it, how they grew up in the, in the profession. And, you know, so I'm not saying that people who charge AUM are bad advisors. It's just that you just got to make sure they're, they're looking at your whole picture. And so one of the things I was thinking about is putting a link to the CFP referral website, uh, a certified financial planning website. I know you are a CFP. Do you think that's a good idea for people to take a look there as a way yeah, to well, not, Yes. Not all CFPs, though, are, I mean, still the majority of them are investment focused. And so an organiza- a couple of organizations do more holistic. So, for example, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, NAPFA, the all those members have made a commitment to do comprehensive planning and then xy planning network um it's the same sort of thing you know michael kitsis calls his group advisors and which they're in the you know mode of giving advice so so cfp board is great but that's kind of the big blanket for everybody who's obtained the designation and but if you and the other one is the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners ACP network they they are basically a group of comprehensive planners. Great. Uh, I have spoken for NAPFA and XY Planning Network and the Alliance of Comprehensive Planners is new to me. So thank you. I'll put all those links in the show notes uh, so people can kind of click through and and check out what we're talking about. Um, Before I let you go, I'm wondering, is there any advice that you can give people on how to find an advisor that's going to actually touch upon the emotional side of finance? I think that's a little harder to tease out. That is harder to tease out. And, you know, if I think sometimes, though, that clients or, you know, people are coming in, in to see us, they don't always realize they have an emotional component to their money. And everybody does, of course, but some people have a healthier emotional relationship with money than others. And and so, gosh, I have no idea how to answer that one, Kathleen, because it's like you you hope if you have a good advisor that's doing comprehensive planning that they are also going to pay attention if, if you're not doing what you need to do to achieve your financial peace. Yeah, no, definitely. And what I encourage people to do as, par- as part of their interview process is just to mention, you know, how do you, ad- you know, if I have some feelings about the stock market or if I, you know, worried or if there's a family conflict, you know, how, how can you be helpful to me? Something like that to just as a little insight. Um, yeah, that's but you're great. right. 
yeah, I think also it, it's time and getting to know the person. And, and so it's a complex question, but it's my hope is that it will become something that is more routine and more uh, expected both by the clients as well as, as the advisors. So one of the things I've realized as we're talking a little bit about the team approach and financial wellness and literacy and how to find an advisor like you is that your clients are certainly lucky, Caroline, because you really are the full package. So tell people a little bit more about where they can find out more about you and what you're up to in case they want to connect. Well, our firm's website is lifeplanningpartners.com. And I do, you know, our, we're actually closed to new clients at this time. And I guess because we're doing such a good job, it's like we get overwhelmed and, and we don't want, um, we want to make sure we're doing a great job taking care of our current clients. So we reopen periodically. But the other website where people can find my writing and my speaking, because I speak a lot about the intersections of health and personal finance is carolynmcclanahan.com and, um, and then see what I'm up to there. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth uh, seeing a speech or watching a video or having a conversation with you. So thank you so much for breaking money silence with me today. No, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.